If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to turn uh, in your Bibles to a familiar passage of Scripture found in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 and, and verses 18 through 20. Uh, it's the great commandment that God has given to us. And I, I thought about what it was that I wanted to, to share with you this morning in preparations to uh, the baptistry and, and baptism and all of the significance of, of that event. And, and of course, we can't help but go back to uh, the, the command of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ as to what the church is here for. What is our purpose? What is the reason that we uh, are, are still here? And the mo reason that the Lord doesn't just, the moment that we realize how much we desperately need Him and, and receive Him as our Savior, He doesn't just take us up to heaven then. We're here because we have a command from God to continue the work. Because He is worthy. He is worthy. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. If you found it, please stand as we honor the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. In Matthew's gospel and, and, and verses 18 through 20, we find that he says, And Jesus came to them and spake, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Father, thank you for the, the, the last words that the, uh, this gospel records are words of a great command for us to follow. And Lord, we believe as a church that it is our responsibility to go out and, and to teach and to share the gospel and to proclaim to others the need for Jesus Christ and then to bring them back in and to baptize them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then, Father, to encourage them to, to grow in you and then share their faith with others. Lord, our greatest calling is to reproduce life and discipleship, and life, and discipleship. Lord, help us for wherein we are failing, to do better, to proclaim the gospel, to raise up disciples, to send them out, so that we would raise up life. In Jesus' name, amen. I've said it over and over again today and because it's exciting to me. Uh, we have a very special day planned today as we celebrate believers baptism. Now, in our state uh, conference uh, or state convention, our new executive director has said that he wants September, what, what is the date? September 12th. September 12th to fill the tank of baptism, but uh, we couldn't wait. So we, we couldn't wait, and so we, we want to jump the gun, and we want, to, we want to celebrate baptism. So we're going to be doing two this morning, two that have chosen to be baptized here, so that all of you get to experience the joy of it. And then with great anticipation, and I, I'm going to ask that you uh, make every effort to come out to this afternoon at 3 o'clock, 
uh, to Camp New Hope. We're going to set up some canopies and have some chairs. And my hope is to be able to record uh, in order to live stream it for those who can't be there so that you can take part in those two that will be baptized later this afternoon as well. I know it's going to be warm, so we're going to put up some canopies and give you, and then we're going to give you an opportunity if you want to. You can play in the water after. They're going to let us. Uh, you can go ahead and play in the water. So just go ahead and bring what you want to do to play in the water after we have a baptism. You don't have to just baptize and leave. You can stay and enjoy the wonderful uh, joy of the water. So I, I thought about, well, you know, um, I remember when I was new and young and, and had never done these things before. And, and so I read this story about a young preacher boy who just got out of seminary and he took his first church and, and his first opportunity to, to celebrate the ordinances of the church and believers' baptism. And uh, in the midst of his anxiousness, in the midst of his excitement and even his nervousness, um, he got a little confused about what he was doing. And so that as he, he brought the, the, the young person into the water uh, to begin to baptize them, um, he said, uh, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And as he was lowering the young one into the water, and he said, and now drink all of it. <laughs> well, I, I kid with ours all the time that I ask them how long they can hold their breath. So... Um, if they can find Jesus while they're down there, all kinds of things. But, but you know, sometimes in our nervousness and excitement, we, we might even get things a little backwards. But today, uh, we're going to talk about believer's baptism. And I want you to understand the, the terminology that I'm using today is important. It's believer's baptism. It's a baptism into Jesus Christ by immersion. And one of the distinctiveness of, of, of our Baptist faith. While other churches may teach and practice baptism, very few require it for church membership and, and require it as believer's baptism. Some practice baptism in, uh, of infants and, uh, and adults by either sprinkling or pouring uh, water upon them. But the Baptists have believed that the scripture is very clear in the doctrine uh, of what it says, and that's why we are distinctive in what we, what we call believer's baptism. And so it is that we believe that there ought to be a certain way in which we do it, and we follow what Jesus has set for example. So why should Baptists stand firmly on this issue when so many other Christians think it's merely peripheral? Why should we be so specific about the, the fact that we believe that it should be a believer's baptism? The simple answer is because the New Testament teaches believers' baptism by immersion, and it was practiced by the early church in obedience to Christ's command. It was practiced not only by the early church, but it's been practiced by the church who stands upon the Word of God. We wish to stand firmly on what we believe the Scripture teaches. And before we witness this baptism that we're going to experience this morning, I want to just take a few moments to, to share with you uh, some scripture and clarify the teaching about believers' baptism. You know, I teach this to all of our candidates, whether they're children or adults. Uh, uh, what is the purpose behind this? And, and, I, and I assured them that they could hear again that refreshment again this morning. 
According to what we just read in Matthew 28, verse 18 through 19, we find the authority behind believers' baptism. The authority of baptism comes directly from the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. The command to baptize is associated with the authority given by Him, by the Father. And one of the Lord's last commands to the apostles was simply to baptize. Let me just read it again. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority is given uh, to me in heaven and on earth. And then he tells us, Go ye therefore and make disciples, meaning teach the people what they need to know to become a believer in Christ. And then once they've become a believer in Christ, then baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teaching them to observe all that I command you. That's called discipleship. We're not only to, to share the gospel with them, not only to dunk them in the water, but church, we are to, to immerse them in the teaching of the Word of God so that they will become disciples of Jesus Christ so that they can then reproduce that which we have shared with them. You see, the Bible tells us, the record of the apostles' obedience tells us that this command given to, to make disciples teach and baptize them is found not only here in the gospel, but if you go to the, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, we find that throughout the book of Acts, at the beginning of the new church, that was the very reality of what the church did. The word and command of Christ alone was their authority. If it was good enough for them, it ought to be good enough for us. The point is that we do not receive authority from any human source. It's not a Baptist thing. It's the fact that we as Baptists believe the Bible thing. We are called to baptize this way because not the Baptists say we have to, but because Jesus said we have to. The church did not invent baptism. The Lord Jesus Christ commanded baptism. The church is to simply be the administer of baptism. Now in John chapter 14 and verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. Now when he said that, he didn't say keep this commandment or keep that commandment. He said keep my commandments. In other words, he's saying, if you love me, follow what I've instructed you to do. Do what I've called you to do. Take the word of God and follow it. And this includes the command to baptize given to ministers of the word. And to command to baptize, which is directed to every born again believer. The command to baptize is to be baptized is voluntarily, of course, we don't coerce anybody, twist their arm. We tell them that this is what you have to submit to. This is your choice. But we tell them it's not an option. It's not something you can say, I don't think. Oh, no, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to follow the first and basic command of Christ. And the first command is get saved and then get baptized. So the question comes, not only do we have authority based upon God's word, but who is it that should be baptized? Who should among us be baptized? Well, there is a specific answer to that question. The Bible tells us, first of all, all who hear the word and come to faith in Jesus Christ. 
Those who have come to put their trust and faith in the Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul, the, the apostle, said in Romans chapter 10, in verses 8 and 9. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Did you know that on the day of Pentecost, the very first day that the church was, was brought into existence, the birth of the church, we read in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41 that the church practiced baptism on that day as well because after Peter had preached that wonderful message in Acts chapter 2, verse 41 says, And so then those that had received the word of God were baptized, and on that day they were added 3,000 souls to the church. So who should be baptized? Those who have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there is a certain order in preparation for baptism. It should never be taken out of order. It shouldn't baptize and then tell them. No, the, the order of preparation is baptism is hearing the word of God, trusting in or receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. So it means that, first of all, we need to, to understand who can, can receive the word of God. I, I've, I've talked to a lot of infants, goo-goo and gaga and all that, but, you know, I, I've never really seen an infant that could understand the Scripture. You see, the reality is that it has to come to a point in their life when they can understand what the Bible says to them and what their, their heart is saying to them about their sinful condition. It comes to a place where, where we, we like to term the age of accountability, meaning an age in which people come to the, where they understand that the Bible says that we all have a sin problem. A problem that, that we all, in humans, we all have together. And the only way to take care of that sin problem is through the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. And that we must put our faith and trust in what He did for us that we could not do for ourselves. So those that are being baptized today have come to that understanding. They've come to an age where they said, I know the Spirit of the Lord has spoken unto me and said, I'm a sinner and I can't do anything about it and I need Jesus to do it for me. And so they've come to understand the Word. That we've shared the Word with them. They trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, and then comes the, the act of following in obedience. Now listen, they don't just get there on their own. We taught them and shared with them, these are the things that the Bible says that we need to do, and let them make that decision for themselves. This is the order that is repeated throughout the early church in the book of Acts. And we don't have time this morning to go through the book of Acts, which, by the way, if you want to, just spend some time in the, the book of Acts, and you'll see that it was share the gospel, receive Jesus, then baptism. It's clear that in the scripture um, that unless baptism is preceded by salvation, it has no meaning at all. It's out of order. Well, Share what it is that we need to share. I've entitled the message this morning, if you didn't catch it, and if I didn't say it, the, the message of believer's baptism. I, I, I love to share with the folks that, that I'm baptizing is that, 
You know, when, when we ask you to come forward after you've made your profession of faith and I bring them up here and they come and they oftentimes say, Preacher, don't make me say too much. I'm, sh I'm, I'm scared. And I say, well, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll help you through it. And then we walk them through the words and they, they say, I've asked Jesus into my heart and, 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 and he's received me in, into the family of God. What I like to tell them is that, you know how you didn't want to say any words when you were up here? What we're going to do today is telling the, the story without words. You're going to do it by showing the people what Jesus has done for you. What a great opportunity. The message of baptism is simply the, the message of showing the world what Jesus has done for us. The message that he shares with us. So listen, what is the method of believer's baptism? Well, Romans chapter 6 and verses 3 and 4 share with us that, that very message, and I'll get to it in just a minute. So how should a believer be baptized? Since baptism is that symbol, it is that message, that story, it's vitally important that the method that we use is able to tell the story. Since the reality of the event is pictured I hope that you would agree that there's only one way in which we can do this that tells the true nature of the story. Sprinkling or throwing water at them doesn't do it. It has to be an immersion. So, what is the real event that we want to picture in baptism? It is the believer's participation in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now listen to what Romans chapter 6 and verses 3 and 4 says. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Jesus Christ have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. Critical to our belief that immersion is the proper and only New Testament method of baptism is the, the very meaning of the word itself. The English word baptized was not translated into the Greek New Testament, but it was translated from Greek word into a word that was brought the Greek word right into English. So the word baptizo which means at that time and meant and still means in the New Testament was to dip or to immerse, to put under or to go under. So we see that the meaning of the word was important. We see that, that the, the very message was to tell the story, to, to, to share that we were alive to ourselves and we died to ourselves. And when we died, we were buried. And when we came back up, it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth through me. And from that point on, we walk with him in newness of life. So then what is the symbolism of baptism? Again, I want to use Paul's writing here in Romans 6, verses 3 through 5. When a believer is baptized, the believer is buried in the water and then brought back up again as a picture of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Again, listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. Or do you not know that all who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? 
Therefore you have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father. So we too might walk in the newness of that life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Believers' baptism is simply an outward expression, a symbol of an inward condition. It is a picture of what the Holy Spirit has done within the believer. As we identify the believer is in Jesus Christ with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. You see, baptism being a symbol of who we are in Christ is like a wedding ring. Yesterday I attended a beautiful wedding where they exchanged wedding rings and that husband and wife wear the wedding ring as a symbol to the world that I am betrothed to somebody else, I'm, I belong to somebody else. And so it is with baptism, believer's baptism, it is an outward sign of saying to the world, I belong to Jesus Christ. I am His and He is mine. So wearing a wedding ring does not make one married any more than being baptized makes one saved. You know, in those days, if a person, especially a woman, does not wear their wedding ring, wear a wedding ring, we almost always assume that they're not married. So it was in the New Testament times that if a person did not get baptized after following the faith of Jesus Christ, you could probably assume that he or she was not a believer. On this, we must be clear. Baptism will not save you. Baptism is simply a symbol of the salvation that you have already received through Jesus Christ. Just like a wedding ring does not make you married, it is an outward symbol of the fact that you are married. So let me close so that we can move on to the baptism. Why should a believer be baptized? Christ commands it. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20 are as clear as they can be. We are told that we are to be obedient to Christ, and it requires uh, us in John chapter 14 that if we want to follow Jesus, we must follow His commands. The Scripture clearly states that the early church practiced it. We can find that throughout the book of Acts. Water baptism... It's simply something Christians are commanded to do in Scripture, to do once after they have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, simply to testify to the world that they are now identified with Jesus Christ. They are His, and they are part of the church. So it clearly points to that inward reality that we now possess a new life, a life in Christ. Jesus has come in and made us born again. So the question for you today that are sitting here is perhaps this. Have you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you followed Him in believer's baptism? Have you been obedient? If not, why not? 
If you won't follow God in the simplest of commands, do you expect that you will follow Him in anything else? So we're going to transition to a time of baptism, so I'd ask that you would pray with me for our candidates that will be baptized today. And as uh, we transition, there will be some special music for you, and Josh is going to go get the children's church and bring them up here. So if I can get the, the, the young ones to head back in. Um, so ladies, if you will, will go. So let's just close with a word of prayer, and then we'll uh, turn it over to Ron and them to lead us in our special music. Father, we thank you for the opportunity today to be able to understand what we're about to do today is simply a testimony of what Jesus Christ did for us. And so, Father, as we live out our life before you, we pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would uh, be with those that are coming today. As they've made their profession of faith, now they're going to follow in believers' baptism, letting the world know that Jesus Christ saved them from their sin. Oh, Father, may we celebrate together the joy. And may we continue to, to remind ourselves that we have an obligation to disciple these young ones as well as the adults so that they might walk in discipleship with Jesus Christ. Father, help us, O oh Lord, to be obedient on our part for your glory and for your praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Ron, I'll turn it over to you, and I'll go back and get ready. I'm going to lock this so you can find a different way around. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes the way.
know, there's no other greater joy for the church to experience than to know that God is still saving souls. And that in that, that we are following in obedience with believers' baptism. So this morning as we come to celebrate with these young ones that have made this profession of faith, we're here to be reminded of our own time when we have made that faith known to the world. Maybe somewhere along the line you've just not really been showing it the way that you do. May today be an encouragement to you to, to once again be bold, to share with confidence that I am not ashamed of the gospel that saved me from my sin. That I'm willing to stand up and stand out for Jesus. And so today, we're going to begin with Miss Chloe. Chloe's going to come and step down here. She's just a wee little one. So we made it so that she doesn't disappear. There you go. There we go. We want her to kind of be seen. Otherwise, if she would step down, she'd just disappear from you. All right? Well, Chloe, today, as I shared, we're going to do this sharing of the gospel without much words. But Chloe, I want to just ask you again before everybody is, you ask Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior? Is he living in your heart? Amen. Are you going to follow him to the best of your ability all of the days of your life? Amen. You know that his word is there for you to be a lamp under your feet and a light under your path. Yes. We're so proud of you today that we can have this opportunity. You come today wanting to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead, man. All right. So upon that profession of faith and and just the fact that she has made it very clear that she wants to follow Jesus. I baptize you, sister. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit of the Lord was doing something in her heart. 
older teacher, and he said, I've got to go back and get that right. Haley, did you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and be your Lord and your Savior? Is he living in your heart today? Because of that, you're here to be baptized? Because of that testimony and because of that faith, her life is a testimony to what Jesus has done. So as a sister in Christ, not only my granddaughter, but as a sister in Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus' name and all God's people.